All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Thought Load Thursday. I am Tyler, and we're back in the studio this week, aka the room where I change my son's diapers. Uh, you probably didn't need to know that, but uh, here we are. Anyways, today I wanted to chat a little bit about uh, some really interesting uh, psych- psychological experiments uh, that I was reading earlier in the week and how we can uh, utilize the information here that the researchers learn to just figure out a little bit more about ourselves and uh, in certain situations and uh, just have a greater understanding and and um, self-awareness. Most of these, we're going to go through three experiments here, and a lot of these had important findings, including a greater awareness of depression and its symptoms, how people learn behaviors through the process of association and how individuals conform to a group. Uh, All things that I think are pretty important uh, that we should know about. So most of these, uh, these experiments and their descriptions I'm reading from um, came from King online university. I just give them some, some credit here, but the first one I wanted to talk about here was called the little Albert experiment. So this was done in 1920 uh, Johns Hopkins University professor, Dr. John B. Watson, and a graduate student wanted to test a learning process called classical conditioning. Classical conditioning involves learning involuntary or automatic behaviors by association, and Dr. Watson thought it formed the bedrock of human psychology. A nine-month-old toddler dubbed Albert B. was volunteered for Dr. Watson and Rosalind Rayner's experiment. Albert played with white furry objects, and at first the toddler displayed joy and affection. Over time, as he played with the objects, Dr. Watson would make a loud noise behind the child's head to frighten him. After numerous trials, Albert was conditioned to be afraid when he saw white furry objects. The study proved that humans could be conditioned to enjoy or fear something, which many psychologists believe could explain why people have irrational fears and how they may have developed early in their life. So really interesting experiment here. Like they said, talking about how we may have developed some irrational fears that we have or things that we've conditioned ourselves to enjoy and things we've conditioned ourselves to dislike or fear, right? These early on experiences that we could have had in life and childhood that we may not specifically remember uh, can form how we see and interact and interpret other settings in our life much later on. And two things I can think of, um, or at least one thing that I can think of is, I mean, I'd had me personally, I had conditioned myself to enjoy drinking alcohol. Um, and it was something that I enjoyed. And when you look at a lot of information to, uh, that says why that particular substance is bad for, for us and just health in general, uh, it kind of contradicts that feeling of enjoyment that we had previously conditioned ourselves to experience. So, um, this is just a really cool example, uh, of how that, that can happen, uh, in our own brains. So, So that was a little Albert experiment. Next one here is the Ash Conformity Study. This was done in 1951. 
Solomon Ash, a Polish-American social psychologist, was determined to see whether an individual would conform to a group's decision, even if the individual knew it was incorrect. Conformity is defined by the American Psychological Association as the adjustment of a person's opinions or thoughts so that they fall closer in line with those of other people or the normative standards of a social group or situation. In his experiment, Ash selected 50 male college students to participate in a vision test. Individuals would have to determine which line on a card was longer. However, the individuals at the center of the experiment did not know that the other people taking the test were actors following scripts and at times selected the wrong answer on purpose. Ash found that on average over 12 trials, nearly one-third of the naive participants conformed with the incorrect majority and only 25% never conformed to the incorrect majority. In the control group that featured only the participants and no actors, less than 1% of participants ever chose the wrong answer. Ash's experiment showed that people will conform to groups to fit in normative influence because of the belief that the group was better informed than the individual. This explains why some people change behaviors or beliefs when in a new group or social setting, even when it goes against past behaviors or beliefs. Now, when I read this one, I could definitely draw some of my own experiences, and I would anticipate that many of you listening have fallen into this uh, category or, or trap or experience as well. Uh, mostly for me, just in talking with colleagues, uh, people in, in the golf industry about certain aspects of uh, just background knowledge, things about golf courses, gr turf grass in general. Uh, a lot of times I would have thoughts or answers to a specific topic we were questioning about, but didn't feel that I had enough knowledge or information that what I was thinking was correct versus, you know, the two, three, five, however many other people were in the group uh, that had what I would assume to be more uh, knowledge or more information in this in this area uh, to contradict what they were saying. So I would basically abandon my own thoughts or ideas in certain situations to just go along with and agree with everybody else for the fear of sounding stupid or being wrong, right? But in turn, after reading this and understanding that I'm essentially robbing the entire thought process, thought generation process in general, right? We have, we have these conversations with, with colleagues or friends or family to experience others' opinions and form new ideas and, and maybe even change our own, our own beliefs on a particular topic. But when we don't feel confident enough to share those, then they don't ever get put out there in the universe. And so then we're essentially robbing others around us from potentially the correct thought process or the right answer or just a better or different way of thinking about something. So it's really important to keep in mind here uh, the results of this ASH conformity study. And so finally, the third one to talk about here is the learned helplessness experiment. This was done in 1965. Martin Seligman wanted to research a different angle related to Dr. Watson's study of classical conditioning. 
In studying conditioning with dogs, Seligman made an astute observation. The subjects which had already been conditioned to expect a light electric shock if they heard a bell would sometimes give up after another negative outcome rather than searching for positive outcome. Under normal circumstances, animals will always try to get away from negative outcomes. When Seligman tested his experiment on animals who hadn't been previously conditioned, the animals attempted to find a positive outcome. Oppositely, the dogs who had been already conditioned to expect a negative response assumed there would be another negative response waiting for them, even in a different situation. The conditioned dog's behavior became known as learned helplessness, the idea that some subjects won't try to get out of a negative situation because past experiences have forced them to believe they are helpless. The study's findings shed light on depression and its symptoms in humans. This one I thought was the best of all three. So to try to say this a different way, basically when the test subjects, in this case dogs, previously had experienced an electric shock to negative outcomes, they would stop searching or give up much quicker and search for the next positive outcome. However, the subjects that had not been previously conditioned, so they weren't getting shocked when experiencing a negative outcome, would continue to search for the positive outcome. So this can directly be applied when you know they said they, the study's findings shed light on depression and symptoms in humans. Can really, if we take a look at some things that we might be not feeling so great about or could have experienced depression in certain areas or at certain times in our life that we would continue just to sit in that area of depression and not try to get out because of having that learned helplessness effect by experiencing the negative outcomes for say every time I raise my hand and answer a question at a conference or in class or in whatever scenario and I get it wrong and the teacher or the person giving the the talk makes fun of you in some way or discredits your intellect or make just makes you feel stupid by what their response is to what your answer was or your comment over time, you will stop <laughs> contributing to those conversations. Uh, me being in school right now, I can easily see uh, certain people that used to talk in the beginning of class no longer do because of just simply the instructor's reaction to certain answers or comments to the question. Same can be said for sitting in a, in a, a industry conference or, um, you know, an informational talk in whatever your career area is, you, know, you can see that sometimes people get dismissed or just the reaction of the presenter over a comment that really to them doesn't make sense. Whereas the person giving that comment is just trying to understand the material better, but that person will then continue to not contribute and to not attempt to understand, therefore just sitting in this learned helplessness uh, area. So now that's a pretty easy uh, analogy to make there. Obviously, can this can be applied to even deeper issues of um, 
issues in relationships or areas of finance or anything um, career related uh, situations with family members like this. This is very interesting to me, uh, this learned helplessness experiment. So those were the three things that I want to talk about. And, and just to wrap it up here um, real quick, why I did this and why I feel that this is important is I think whenever we look at things that involve health and wellness or the human experience or psychology, uh, anything that has to do with how we ourselves as humans interact with the world, it is very important to understand as many things as we can about those interactions. So you can look at diet uh, or exercise and um, other negative things like alcohol or nicotine or other drugs or whatever, right? Whenever you look at those things and you can have some pre-beliefs that things are, are good or bad, whatever, whatever it is, we can form these ideas that, uh, this, this is going to help me or this is bad for me. And when we understand the mechanisms of what happens when our body ingests high, processed foods and sugars and alcohol and how those things can affect our sleep and weight gain. And we understand the mechanisms behind it. It's easier to make a better decision about what's going on. Same applies to these psychology experiments on conformity, learned helplessness, um, because understanding that this, these are what our brains do. And this is just a physiological response. Now, not everybody does it, right? It wasn't a hundred percent success rate in any of these experiments, but understanding that this might be where I naturally default when I'm trying to understand something better or want to contribute to a conversation or want to express my own ideas that might go against the majority. Understanding that, okay, I might feel that I shouldn't share this. Understanding that we are more likely to conform to a majority than not conform. We can then in real time experience like, okay, I understand now why I'm feeling like I don't want to share this. And when you understand that mechanism, now maybe that makes it a lot easier to, okay, I'm going to share this anyway, because this feeling that I'm getting of wanting to just agree with everybody is just sort of programmed. It's not the right thing to do. But now we have a little bit more information to be able to uh, do something better, right? So I think these things are really important to be mindful of and to keep in mind, especially in the learned helplessness area. Uh, as somebody that has definitely struggled with uh, depression at certain times, uh, I can definitely relate to those those feelings of, well, every time I do X, why happens and why is always negative. So why am I even trying to make X better? Because I just have all this negative reinforcement, but understanding that that is just a physiological response and that we should just keep searching for the positive outcome. We can then circumvent what could have already been programmed uh, in, in our minds and our brains, right? We can circumvent that uh, just human physiology and make it work for us and, and hope to improve our lives and make it better. So um, that's really why I wanted to share these things and why it's important to really keep in mind um, what our default habits or default human nature is. Um, and just to 
continuously explore all these different avenues to help understand what's going on when we do anything health and wellness related to understand what's going on in our mind and our brain when we're put in certain social situations because these things can help us shape new habits new beliefs to make the next time easier and easier every time we get put into that situation so um, i hope all that made sense there's plenty more experiments like this that are really interesting but i wanted to keep it just to these three today might do some more in the future but to wrap up here uh, with a cool quote from robert biswas diner he said once you start making the effort to wake yourself up that is be more mindful in your activities you suddenly start appreciating life a lot more thanks again everyone for tuning in to this week's thought load we'll catch you here next week with another episode and as always begin the duel win the day <laughs>